Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Elise Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hello, hello. This is Felice Clark, the Dabbling Speechy, and this is the Real Talk SLP podcast. Welcome, welcome. So if you have been listening to the Real Talk SLP podcast and you are loving it, I would love it if you wrote a review on iTunes um, or wherever you listen. And if you ever have a topic or a guest you would like to have on the show, you can always message me on Instagram or Facebook or email me at FeliceClark at thedabblingspeechy.com because I want to have topics and guests that are going to help you serve your students well, right? We all need those tips so that we can leave work knowing that we have efficiently gotten our paperwork done and all those things done, but that we have also helped our students make progress on their goals. And nothing overwhelms me more when I feel like I am drowning in that area. I want all the tips that are going to help my students make progress. So here's a question for you guys. In grad school, did you have a class on how to start your own private practice. Did did you take any business classes or any type, like, did you know anything about the ins and outs of being a private practice owner or starting your own business? I mean, I didn't. And I quite honestly looked at like someone who started their own business and thought, how did you even do that? I mean, it just seems like this big giant project to have your own business, right? You know, I knew from the get-go that I wanted to be in the schools, but it wasn't like anyone broke down the options and what it would be like to start your own private practice. What does it mean when you work for some for a company or another or someone that owns a private practice in the schools? Like nobody broke that down for me. And I would guess to say that you probably didn't have a class in that either. And thankfully, there are SLPs out in the world, like Jenna, who I'm going to have on today, who that is their mission to help show SLPs and and guide them and coach them on how to be an independent clinician, how to start your own private practice and to take away all the overwhelm and all the scary stuff and, and help you take those steps to actually do it if you want to. And so if you are thinking about starting your own private practice, this episode is for you. And Jenna breaks down everything very, very practically. So you you walk away from this episode going, oh, I know exactly what I need to do. And, and so I really enjoyed my conversation with her. So before we head on over to that interview, I wanted to let you guys know about a new freebie. If you like to use YouTube videos and therapy, as I definitely do, I love them because they're so adaptable to in-person to virtual like teletherapy and they're engaging and and it's a lot of our kids just really like them. So if you want all the best spring YouTube videos for speech therapy and you don't want to, you don't have time to go look for all those videos, I have a gift for you. I have organized a Google slide presentation with all the best spring YouTube videos in one place so that you can pull it up and find the video you want for the next group or when you're or when you feel like your group is tanking and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Well, you just pull up that Google slide and you find a little spring brain break song and that will revive your session. <laughs> so I will put a link to this freebie in the show notes. Um, there are videos for spring songs, book read alouds, social pragmatic videos, language videos, so many things in there that you will be ready to go for April and May, and you will have it forever and ever. So go download that today. All right. Are you ready? Let's head on over to our interview with Jenna. Hello, Jenna. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Felice, for having me on. 
Yes, I'm excited because I know I have a lot of listeners who are school-based SLPs and they maybe aren't happy with their position or they just don't know if it's the right fit anymore. And they're just scared to be like, what else am I supposed to do? I've been in this job for a very long time. And I thought it'd be great if you could come on to talk about how SLPs can start their own private practice and just walk through the steps of what they can do and maybe even help you know, break down some of those fears and worries that SLPs have with trying something different and new. And I know you're the queen at helping SLPs with starting their private practices. So welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. This is something I can talk about for like a long time. So, you know, whatever questions you have, I'm happy to answer. And then I'm happy to follow up with people if people have questions, you know, in the DMs or whatever on Instagram later. But This is something I'm very passionate about, and I love sharing information about it. Yes. And you have your own private practice podcast. Do you want to let everyone know about that podcast? Just because it's all about private practice, right? It is. Yes. So since y'all are podcast listeners, obviously, head over to iTunes or Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, but it's called the Private Practice Success Stories Podcast. And it's me interviewing successful private practitioners at all levels and also all stages of private practice so that you can see what's possible for you by listening to, you know, what regular SLPs have been able to accomplish that they never thought they'd be able to do. That is super cool. I need to start. I have too many podcasts I like, so I feel like I don't know when I'm going to catch up on any of these, but that sounds really cool. And I know for just even for my own personal journey, I just know that I work two days a week, but I've really thought of jumping into private practice, but it's hard to know where to start. And it's, you get comfortable with your current situation. And so I'm hoping that you can just you know, answer some light bulb questions for all of us. But before we do that, I always ask my guests to share a song or a song lyric about the topic of the podcast episode. And so I would love to know what song do you like to listen to when you are fighting through doubts or fears of the unknown? Great question. So lots of people are familiar with the Broadway show Wicked. I am a big Broadway musical theater nerd, and one of one of my favorite musicals kind of has always been Wicked, right? And so the song Defying Gravity, I think, talks about those doubts of like, you know, one Glinda kind of wants Alphaba to like, let's stay like friends and let's just stay here, whatever. And Alphaba's like, no, I got to fly. Like, I got to do something different, like, you know, that whole part with, you know, I'm through accepting limits because someone says it's so, right? And I feel like a lot of um, SLPs who are in schools or hospitals, early interventions, other people's private practices get to this point where they're like, you know what, this is not working for me. I'm not able to do my best work with these clients or these kids, you know, just because some people say it's so I should be doing it this way. Like, Until I try, I'll never know, right? Mm. And so I feel like a lot of people are feeling that pull to be able to do more for their clients and more for themselves. So for me, whenever I listen to Defying Gravity, I'm always like, yeah, this song's about private practice. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that musical. And you're so right. It's that you know you could stay and be successful where you're at. You can be you can stay with the status quo and it would be good and it wouldn't be bad. But, you know, trying something new, you'll never know where that could take you. And I have been in a lot of different school districts just because of life of, you know, having to transition for different reasons. And, and I know what it's like to start something new. It's scary. It's exciting. It's, it's hard. And a lot of times I knew I was in the right spots when I would do it, but it is, it's like pushing yourself to go outside the comfort zone. And so I think you nailed it with your song choice. And now I want to go listen to Wicked. I haven't listened to that in a long time. So, and I think with 2022, Jenna, wouldn't you say that this has brought to light, like, wow, I really don't like certain things about my job or, wow, I wonder if there's a different way that I could be doing this. Maybe not forever, but maybe for the next five years. And I can always go back to that setting later. I don't know if you would agree with that. 
Totally. I mean, I think that when when COVID hit, like I was already getting a steady number of people who were interested in private practice. I was, you know, helping a lot of people. And then all of a sudden COVID started and there was this initial panic, like on my part, to be honest, of like, oh my goodness, are like people going to want to do this? Like, you know, the whole world is changing. And I got a little bit nervous and I got a little quiet. And then one of my business mentors was like, Jenna, like your people need you, like go out there and be a leader. And so I was like, okay, okay. I'm an introvert, but I was like, okay, I'll go out there and like be a leader. And so what happened was, is that people were being all of a sudden put in really either unsatisfactory or even unsafe job settings where people were just, you know, having to scramble administrations were not being supportive of people, folks, you know, SLPs in hospitals were all of a sudden being exposed to COVID and things were crazy. And so what happened was that a lot of people were like, you know what, this doesn't seem like the best time to start a private practice, but like what I'm currently doing is just not working. And so like, teach me the steps basically. And so my business actually grew a ton last year Because not only were people feeling unhappy with their work environments, but I think we also have done a lot of soul searching of what are we willing to go back to and who do we want to be on the other side of this and what do we want our life to look like? And I know before all this happened, I kept saying, I want to spend more time with my kids. And like, this isn't what I meant. Like, sorry, guys. (laughs) But I think people have had this kind of awakening of, well, how do I want to spend my time and how can I still continue to get paid as an SLP, right? People have a master's degree. People have experience. They've paid all this money for their degree, but still be able to work and work on their terms in their own private practices versus working for a school district or a hospital that may be asking them to do things that they feel uncomfortable doing or asking them to go beyond either what they're being paid for or being respected to do. So a lot of people decided to just go all in on private practice. You know, again, some people's jobs got cut or people got furloughed and they needed money and decided to jump in. But also a whole bunch of other people have decided to do this on the side of whatever job they were currently doing. And a lot of people have asked, you know, is now still a good time to start a private practice And I mean, I think that the answer is yes, because there's a lot of kids and adults who are going without services or who are stuck on wait lists or can't figure out, you know, where to get their kid therapy. And there are SLPs out there who are willing and available to provide services. So I see private practices, the bridge to help people in need get what they want, right? Both people in the community and practitioners who, again, have the skills and have the knowledge and frankly would like the extra income or, you know, if they're switching out their income and be able to see their own clients on their own terms. Yeah. And I think the idea of flexibility or finding what fits for each person, there's something attractive to that with private practice, especially if you get to do it on your own, because- you know, a lot, when I envisioned private practice in grad school, and even when I was graduating, I'm like, oh, so I just would be working for somebody. I'd have a boss. And that's why I probably ultimately chose the schools because I I felt like I would still be kind of my own boss at the school, or at least my own speech. You know, everyone's looking to me for speech. I definitely have a boss in my school district, but, but I never, no one ever talked about in grad school either, like, how to start your own private practice, the umbrella of what that could be, you know, yes, of course you could be a part of a private practice, but like, how would you even, where do you find clients and what types of, you know, how do you get paid? And to me, it just seemed like a lot of work that was too overwhelming, I think for myself to do. And so that's why I think you telling us how to do it is a great place to get us moving, right? So I would love it if you shared a little bit about how you got started in private practice and and, and what led you to this place to start coaching SLPs. And then we can get into just you know, what to do. <laughs> kind of yeah, thing. totally. Perfect story. So I got started in private practice 
much earlier than I ever thought I would. And because it was a chance kind of conversation over lunch with two of my coworkers, we were having one of those actual sit down lunches where you're like talking about things other than work. And they started talking about their private practices. And I'm not always the most observant person. Okay. Like my wife will remind me that all the time. But I didn't know that they had private practices. So they start talking about, you know, whether or not they're going to get office space. And I'm like, wait a minute, you guys have private practices? <laughs> like, tell me more about that. And then I was also floored. What do you mean talking about getting office space? Like, you guys don't have an office space? And they're like, no, like, we could have one. And we're thinking about getting one, but we don't have one. I'm like, well, then what do you do? And so they explain, you know, they see clients either in their homes or in community settings. And then I asked them, because now I'm like totally curious, right? And I was like, well, you know, is it like, how, how well do you get paid? Like, is it like as lucrative as people said? And they like both like kind of smiled and nodded. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. And then they said, you know, well, do you want to learn how to do it? I was like, well, like, I guess so. Like I, I had my C's at that point, but like, I mean, it was probably a year out from having my C's. So I was, you know, pretty new to the profession. So they're like, well, has anyone ever asked you if you treat private clients? And I was like, well, yeah, but I've always referred them to one of you, you know, once I kind of knew that they had done it. So they offered to teach me and I was like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. I was also just shocked because I was young. I was probably about 26 or so at the time. And then they also told me that that's when both of them had gotten started when they were more in their like mid to late twenties, which I had also always thought private practice was something that you did when you had been in the field for you know, 15, 20, or like more years. So the fact that they, you know, said that they were willing to teach me, they got me all set up, they helped me get like a business license, and liability insurance and a business bank account, and all of those things that you kind of need to do before you get started. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, someone asked if I w knew somebody to treat privately. And that ended up being a kid with autism. And I'm not a pediatric person. So I I said no when I, I referred it to them, but then I had an opportunity through a former classmate in grad school to see a gentleman with aphasia and I talked to the, the guy's wife and it sounded like it was going to be a good fit. And so I talked to the wife and she said, you know, what's your rate and how soon can you start? And I told her and she said, and can you come twice a week? And I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> So that's kind of how it started. And then, so that was on the side of my hospital job and I started seeing more and more clients. I shifted my hours so that I at first worked four 10 hour days and saw my private clients on Fridays. That was exhausting. Don't necessarily recommend that, but that's how I got started. And then eventually I shifted my hours down to like 32 hours and then 20 hours. And then the private practice just kept growing and I ended up leaving that job. In the meantime, I also had a bunch of friends asking me like, hey, how to, what are you doing, Jenna? Like, tell me more about this. And so I started this online company called The Independent Clinician, where I have resources and courses and whatnot to teach SLPs how to get started. And so if it wasn't for those early mentors teaching me how to do it, I don't think I would have started a company where I, and then now I have a whole team of mentors to help other people like that relationship and having people to walk you through a pretty scary process was so important to me. And so now I, I, you know, kind of love that now I can offer that to SLPs because just like you said before, you know, it's, it seems scary and it seems overwhelming. And anytime you do something new, it's scary and overwhelming, but most things have a process that can be broken down and chunked out you know, in steps. And so, you know, with checklists and whatnot. So that's really what I've been able to do to help SLPs. And that's super awesome. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And you mentioned wanting to know the steps. So I do have a five step mm -hmm. system that I can talk your listeners through if you think that sounds yeah, good. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, no, I love that story. That's awesome. And I would agree that collaborating, you just have, it sounds like you had an accidental collaboration and they put a little bug in your ear. 
and <laughs> things start to grow as you take little, I always say, if you take small action steps, they lead to long-term gains. You think these small little steps aren't doing anything for either your students or yourself when you set a professional goal. And then one day you wake up and you're like, I'm pretty good at this, or my students are doing really well because I took consistent, small, actionable steps. So I would love it if you, yeah, just go through the, the actionable steps people can do to get started in private practice. Perfect. So the one other thing that I'll say that you said, you know, like an accidental opportunity. So sometimes opportunities come along and, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people who like believes in like the universe. So like if the universe kind of gives you an opportunity, think about it right? You don't have to say yes to everything, but it sometimes these like chance encounters end up being like big things in your life. So the steps. So the, I have five steps. This is what I teach in my programs. They coincidentally, you know, it's a five-step program or everything starts with the letter P, all right? Because SLPs love that kind of thing, right? So um, <laughs> yeah. step number one is to picture your private practice. So this is where you're really thinking about, you know, what do you want your private practice to look like? You know, who do you want to work with? Now we get into the WH questions, SLPs. You know, when do you want to see people? <laughs> what services do you want to offer? You know, all those kind of questions that are about envisioning who it is that you want to help because you can't build a private practice without a plan, right? So we have to picture your practice and get a plan in place. The next step is to protect your private practice. This is where we're going to get those ducks in a row, right? Raise your hands if you like to get your ducks in a row, right? Everybody. So this is where we're going to minimize the financial and legal and personal risks, make sure that people have liability insurance, business bank accounts, all those kind of things that are going to help, you know, ways to document your services because you do have to still document in private practice. We want to make sure that you get all those protections in place. So those are the first two steps, okay? Picturing and then protecting. Then once you actually have those ducks in a row, we can start promoting your private practice. And that's when you actually get your first clients, okay? So that is when you are starting to market and get the word out about your private practice. And that's the part where SLPs tend to like hold back a little bit right? Like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Like they can get through the steps, right? Cause I give people like literally an eight page checklist. Like people oh, can okay. follow the so checklist. Okay. So you're walking. Cause I'm, I'm going, I'm going to get stuck on step two. Oh no. I got, I got a video on step two and you got a checklist. So we're going to get you through all the steps. Like I don't want people getting <laughs> stuck. Okay. But what happens gotcha. is they get, they get ready. And then like what happened to me when I first started, okay. I ordered business cards. Okay. And I was so excited for my little business cards to come <laughs> and I, I kept them in my little wallet. And then what happened was I kept putting them in restaurants, you know, those little like fish bowls to like right. win a free lunch. Right. And I kept thinking like, why am I not getting clients? And then, cause I wasn't like actually giving these business cards or talking to people who could actually result in clients. So what I help people do is like, think about their network Think about like, for example, Facebook groups, like parent Facebook groups, local Facebook groups is a great way to get those first clients because there's, again, people in your community who need help. And if you're able to help them, it's not, you know, like pushy or salesy to comment below, you know, some parent who says, hey, I think my kid has a problem with blank. Anybody know an SLP? You know, oh, hey, me, right? Oh, right. So my, my favorite story, this was actually sort of during COVID, but toward, you know, I don't know when, sometime last year, one of my students got her first client. She was in a Subway restaurant and she was wearing a t-shirt, one of those cute, like I'm an SLP right. t-shirts, right? And a parent came up to her and said, oh, I have a, a child who's nonverbal. He has autism. We've been going without speech therapy. Can you help him? And she was like, yes, yes, I can. And so she, that was her first client, right? So again, it's like some of these chance encounters. How cool is that, right? So I went, you know, and SLPs, none of us have business backgrounds or, you know, some people do, but for the most part, they don't. Mm -hmm. So what I try to teach people are effective and inexpensive ways to start to get your name out there, right? So I talked about, you know, making sure you're telling people in Facebook groups. Another great thing to do is have a very simple website, 
right? Nowadays, like people, I don't really recommend the business card as much, especially because we're not seeing people in person right now. But websites are great because you're going to attract people who are actively looking for clients, right? The internet, it has like search intent, right? So like when you're looking, if you want sushi for dinner, right? You're going to go and you're going to Google the name of your city or whatever and sushi. Well, when people are actually looking for speech therapy services, just like how you go to the internet for things, your clients do too. So nowadays, I do think it's really important to have even just a basic website. It doesn't even have to be fancy, but that is where people are searching. So websites is another really good marketing tool. And it does the selling for you, right? Because again, some people get nervous about talking about what they're doing. So that's the, the third phase is promoting your private practice, okay? Right. Phase four is what I call get paid, right? So this is the part where you're actually earning the money. Now, there are different ways that SLPs get paid for private practice. So some people are private pay only. Some people do insurance. Others do Medicare, Medicaid, and also school contracts. So those are the main reasons how people get paid. I am a big fan of people starting with private pay, even if they don't think that they can sustain that long term in their area. If they live in a more rural area or, you know, an area that they think wouldn't sustain that. But what I really want people to do is try to start with private pay because insurance, there's a little bit of a learning curve with that. I could see that. Yeah, there's just a lot to figure out, right? You you have to apply, Mm -hmm. then you have to figure out, you know, what codes people are going to take or not take. So it it takes a little bit of a learning curve, but it's kind of like when you do insurance, you get a high volume of clients, but you usually get less reimbursement. So what people can try to figure out is, do you want to see less people, but make more Mm -hmm. money? Or do you want to do more of a volume situation where you're seeing more clients but getting reimbursed less, right? And is Medicaid billing the same as insurance in a way? Yeah, in a way. You still have to, well, Medicaid is like state by state. So every state is going to have their own things. And same with Medicare, you still have to apply to become a Medicare provider. But those are also things that I help people, help SLPs do in my program, is not only apply and get credentialed, but also answer questions as they come up to make sure that people are getting paid for their services. So that that mm-hmm. that takes a little bit longer to kind of figure out, but once you get it down, once you know how to fill out the, the paperwork and you know what codes are associated and you get paid for, then that all works out pretty well. So it's nice for people to think about, you know, how much would you like to earn because like in a in a regular job in a you know school hospital whatever, you're just sort of like waiting to earn more money, right? Like no matter how hard you work, you're not necessarily going to earn more. So one of the things that I like about, you know, working for myself and about private practice is if you want to earn more money, you just see more clients, right? Like you can literally give yourself a raise. Yeah. So then do you, would you recommend that SLPs, you know, pick their number that they want to charge per hour and then, and that would be kind of step one in a way looking at how much you want to charge, who, what, where, when, but then they can start doing the math that, oh, if I took a couple more clients or this amount. Yeah. I, what I really, you know, SLPs need to think about what they would like to earn. So what I usually have people think about is, you know, where is your salary now and how much would it take for you to get to the top of your salary? So depending on if you're at a school or hospital or whatever, either you may know those salary scales or you may just have to guess. But if you, let's say you're in like the mid 60s or like the low 70s, something like that, but the top of your scale, let's say is like 85K, but it's going to take you 20 years to get there. Well, you could actually see just a handful of clients a week and all of a sudden you are making that 85K by seeing like, four clients a week. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you could keep your job. Yeah. And then just add in. That's right. An extra little job. Yeah. And see, see a client or two like on the side. And cause a lot of SLPs also really worry, you know, we tend to be, well, mostly women, we are, obviously yeah. we're, we're, we're worriers. Most of us were worriers, yeah. a little risk averse. Right. 
And so people say, well, I don't want to quit my job. It's like, well, you don't actually don't have to quit your job, right? You can do seeing a couple of clients after work on the weekends during the summer. And all of a sudden you're closing that income gap, that salary gap and making that money on your own. Right. And then the next step for people is often to start to cut their hours at work. Right. So if you can go down to part time and see, you know, like four to six kids a week, all of a sudden you're bringing in a couple extra thousand a month and you're probably only making about two, three thousand a month. Right. So it's like that's how you can double your salary in less time. Yeah, that's nice. And I know a lot, there's a lot of SLPs that are asking about like, what do I do for summer jobs? And yeah. it just seemed that it would be easier just to work for yourself in a lot of ways because you could pick when and where you want to do it. Like you said in the first um, step, yeah. I think one area that has always been ingrained in me from my parents is like retirement. You know, my parents were good. My dad was a firefighter. My mom was a teacher and it was just like you work. And that was probably one of the reasons why I was attracted to the schools too. Cause I'm like, you got, you get a pension, you get benefits. There's a lot of security in the schools. You get summers off. It works well if you want to start a family. So I think I could definitely get on board. Yeah. Do you take vacations when you have your private practice? I guess that would be part of the first P to really look at like, what do you want? Do you talk about that when you're coaching SLPs about retirement and stuff? Yeah, totally. Because you have to be like thinking about your whole financial picture, right? So that's one of the main reasons why I want people to start on the side and keep their insurance, keep their benefits. You know, every now and then people will contact me and let's say they're in their like 50s and they're like, well, I only have, you know, three more years till I collect my pension. Like, should I quit? And I'm sort of like, no, (laughs) like, I mean, probably not like, talk to a financial advisor or something, which because I'm an SLP. (laughs) But, you know, I don't want people to throw themselves in the deep end, right? Like what Mm -hmm. I I teach people how to get started, like with their like tipping toe, like in the water, right? And going through the shallow end. And then some people, to continue with this analogy, stay in the shallow end, right? Some people kind of stay just a couple clients a week. And for a lot of people that covers, you know, their kid's camp, it covers mm-hmm. vacations, it covers, you know, a mortgage payment, you know, whatever, right. a student loan payment, right? Mm-hmm. And other people are like, no, I got I got big dreams here. Like I'm going in the deep end. Like I want that brick and mortar clinic. I want to have employees. I want to have a multidisciplinary private practice. And the cool thing is, is that there's room in the pool for everybody. And there's also like different stages and you can, you can either, you know, get bigger if you want to, and then get smaller again, maybe as your kids are, you know, different seasons of life, you can adjust how many clients are on your caseload or not. So it's, it's very flexible in that way, which I think also appeals to a lot of people. Totally. I, yeah, I really like that idea that you can, the analogy he used of toe dipping. And then when you get a little bit more brave, it's just like swimming lessons. You get to graduate to the next level. Exactly. And there's people yeah. like me, like, I mean, my kids have done swim lessons, right? Who are like kind of in the pool, like jump, like you can do it. I'll catch you. Right. <laughs> so it's nice yeah. to have like people who are there who are teaching you, you know, how, how to get started and, and how to do it. So, so that fourth P was getting paid, which is obviously really important. And then the last P is prosper. So in this phase, this is really where people are trying to figure out, okay, do I want to grow? How big do I want to grow? Do I like staying small? You know, what what do I want this to look like long term? And in that prosper phase, people also revisit their vision and they think, okay, you know, do I want to specialize? Right. Because I usually recommend that people start off as generalists and work with anyone that they feel comfortable seeing. Right. So, like, for Mm -hmm. example, I didn't feel comfortable seeing that child with autism in the beginning because that that's not my thing. Right. But I was like, I'll, pretty much any adult, I would, you know, be happy to, to treat. Right. Over time, though, people do tend to start to want to specialize. People want to do, you know, accent reduction or people want to do, I don't know, whatever it is, older kids, speech sound disorders. Yeah. Fluency, older kids with autism, whatever. And so you get to kind of figure that out. But again, it's about kind of choosing your own adventure and saying, you know, if I want to grow it, I know how to do that. But if I also want to stay small, I don't have to. 
So those those five phases, just to recap, right, are picturing your private practice and protecting. That's kind of like the firm foundation for the house. And then the the next three are promote, get paid, and prosper. And those kind of happen over and over again, like as much as you want them to. Right. So it's one of those things where once you fill it out, you take the time, you really sit down and marinate on it. And then it can almost be like a little poster in your house that you can revisit and discuss and analyze what's going on with your private practice. And and it's a fluid, flexible system that can change. That can so change, that's really right? Cool. Yeah. It, it's important to be for people to have options, right? Especially for women. I think it's important to have options and to have financial options. So one of the early mentors, her name was Catherine. She was a, a young single woman at the time. I don't know how young. She was probably like in her 40s. She's probably basically my age, like now. <laughs> but she gave me this advice about specifically that it's dangerous for a woman to rely on one source of income whether that's one job or a spouse's job or whatever. So she's the first person who really told me about this idea of diversifying your income and having multiple streams of income, which I had never heard that before. But that really opened me up to thinking like, wow, there are different ways to earn money. And it probably is a good idea to make sure that you don't have just one source, right? So mm-hmm. that's another reason why I'm a big, big advocate for people keeping their, you know, day job and adding this as a really nice way to earn extra money while doing a job that you have already gone to grad school for. You've already, you know, paid or are paying your student loans for. You might as well be recouping the monetary investment and even being able to pay off those school loans quicker. Totally. And I think those that are listening that are feeling that they've been stressed out because of finances, because maybe a spouse lost their job or just realizing like, you know, I don't want to be in debt anymore. We forget that we can generate a lot of income while helping people. And, you know, and we don't think of that as a second job sometimes, I think is, I don't know why we don't, but I remember I did summer school a couple of times and then I'm like, I'm done doing that. (laughs) But It wasn't a bad gig, but it's kind of like, you don't get paid as much. It's You kind of weigh it out. Like, is this really worth my time during the summer where I think a private practice client that I, that I know is a good fit for me and my style, especially with private pay, would be mm-hmm. a lot more motivating and enjoyable as an extra job. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, totally. But yeah, so I love the five Ps. What do you do? Like, do when people are first starting out, do you recommend that they go to somebody's house to do this? Can an SLP open up their own home or is there an extra layer of insurance? So the reason why I usually encourage people to get started in the either the client's home or a community location, sometimes you can do it at public library. Sometimes you can't, you got to check with the library or, you know, sometimes like, well, depending on what you're doing, you could do it like in a coffee shop or something like that. You got to be careful about HIPAA with some of those things, but you know, if you're doing it in a client's home or a quiet private community location, there's a lot less overhead, right? Either it's totally free or it's not a lot of money, which is big on how I encourage people to get started. Because I think a lot of SLPs think, well, to start a private practice, you probably need like five or $10,000 to get started. And it's like, um, sure, if you want all of the things, before you get started, yeah, sure, get all get all the things. But I teach people to start like lean and inexpensive so that they can be profitable for the from the very beginning. And if they want to build up to having office space, then they build up to that, right? People say the same thing with assessments, like, oh, I got to buy all the assessments first. It's like, well, you don't really have to buy all of the assessments, right? <laughs> if you wanted one assessment, try to find yourself, you know, a, a Pearson code or something and and get one. But otherwise, like as you earn more money in your private practice, then you can all of a sudden these also become tax deductions and you can, you can work up to having the PLS and the self and the, see, look at me with my pediatric tests, right? That's about the, (laughs) that's about all of the ones that I can remember right now, but you work up to having those things, right? You don't, you don't have to start with, with all of those things. You asked about seeing clients in your home. So if you see clients in your home, you do have to check with like with your homeowner's insurance and also with the zoning 
committee or board or whatever in wherever you live. Some people are able to see people in their home and some people are not able to either because it's more money with insurance or some towns like you have to have a separate exit or it has to be, you know, have a like, like a wheelchair wheel friendly. Yeah. 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 So it just okay. depends like on your town, but it's really worth looking into because if you have a space like that and you're able to use it, well, that would be, that'd be great. And there's a lot of people who have that and that's how they start, but there's other people who start again, either in other people's homes or sometimes even in kind of more expensive areas, you can still get cheap rent in terms of clinic space, like in places like, you know, office park kind of mm -hmm. spots or like subletting from like an OT, right? Maybe there's like an OT practice in the neighborhood and they have an extra room that they don't use on Tuesdays or something. And you pay, right. I don't know, $100 a month or something and you can use that room. Or some people talk about like church basements and stuff. Like there's right. ways to be creative about this. Yes. I have seen some churches even like renting out their space or even high schools have rented to churches. And then, and I'm like, oh, you know, so there is, it's like, you have to think a little bit outside the box a little bit, but I mean, I would never even have thought to start my private practice in a library. Yeah. You know? But, and that's the thing that, that's tricky about libraries is some libraries, you can't like be basically exchanging money for things. So you can do it if it's like for free, but like, we're not working for free, okay. ladies. Right. We've already worked for free, <laughs> like plenty. <laughs> right. Yes. But I think the moral of the story is that to think outside the box, to, to really spend that time on the first P and think about what you want and then start researching and Googling where you could maybe sublet a place or, you know, or even doing it in your home or going to their homes too, you know? I mean, I would be fine with that, but I think Isla would like to have at least a spot at some point, but, you know, at a convenience, but it's not like, you know, you have to think about gas and mileage, but then that would be a tax write-off if you had your own business. So I think to sum everything up, some of the bones of things that you're recommending, you know, SLPs to get is a basic website, insurance. Is there any other tips for just marketing or getting over that fear of selling yourself or sounding spammy? I know totally. I deal with that sometimes in my own business going, well, I'm here to help, but I also, and I, I want, I don't want to tell everyone <laughs> here's what I, I can offer you. Cause you, you know, I don't know what it is about. I think women struggle with that. I don't know why, but no, we, we totally to. do, right? Because we, well, I think all of us as women have had negative experiences with sales. So what I normally t teach people to, to think about is to lead with education, right? If you're telling people, okay, this is, this is what this, you know, diagnosis or disorder is. This is how I help people. These are some, you know, training tools or some therapies that have worked and will probably work, you know, with your son or whatever. You know, if you're leading with education the difference between someone who's marketing and telling some people about a solution versus somebody who's being pushy is that pushy people try to get everybody to sign up for something, whether it's appropriate or not. Right. Think right. Of, of when you've gone to like, I mean, I can't tell you a the last Mary time Kay, I went. a Mary Kay party, a hundred percent, a Mary <laughs> Kay party, right? Like I don't wear makeup at all, but you go to one of those things and they're trying to get you all made up or whatever, even or if the you 31 tell them, bags. Sure. The 31 bags. Right. But I could, I've never been to a Mary Kay party, but probably I would go no offense to you, Mary Kay sellers out there, but I would probably say something like, I don't wear makeup. And then the next line would be, well, that's okay. But let me show you some makeup. That's perfect for people who don't wear makeup. Right. And you're right. sort of like, I literally just told you I don't wear makeup. And then they're probably like, well, then why did you come to the Mary Kay party? But <laughs> nonetheless, right? So it's like, that's that's what is being pushy and salesy is by trying to convince somebody that they need something that they don't, right? As SLPs, I don't think we do that. Like, we don't want to treat people that don't need our services. But people who do need our services should know about them and should know how they could be beneficial. And then either the client or the family member gets to make the decision. Do they think that these services or this clinician is the right fit for myself or my family member? And so that's how 
that's how I teach people to do it, right? Is to have conversations. And also like in terms of marketing, like let, let your friends and family know that you're doing this. Yeah, especially like your friends from grad school or maybe, you know, former coworkers who know you and know, you know, how good you are with, you know, whatever populations, you know, people want word of mouth marketing, but in order to get word of mouth marketing, you have to tell people that like you're doing this, right? So that's one, one tricky thing about word of mouth marketing is A, people have to know you exist and B, you have to do something worth talking about. So you have to, you know, be, and I'm not saying you have to be an expert, but you have to be impressive in some way so that people are like, oh, hey, did you hear that Felice started her private practice and she's doing such good work with, you know, these people or whatever. So you, you got to tell people you exist and you got to make sure that, you know, you're doing something really positive that people are talking about. Totally. And so that I would say that's a, why having a website is very, very important too when you're pitching because some people don't, they're going to lose your business card. I always shove stuff everywhere and then I don't know where it is. But if they had, if you have it written down, you can say, go to this website. They can go check it out, especially when they have a quiet moment to go check out what you have to offer. And you don't really have to go into super, super depth with them. You can say, this is the population I serve. This is what I specialize in. There's all this information on the website and that's your landing page. That's kind of like the, the next gen. We're in a new generation of business cards, I think with, with websites. <laughs> totally. And then the website will do the selling for you every single day of the year, all day long. So as long as you have a simple website that just like Felice said, you know, it talks about what services you offer, tells a little bit about you and has at least a picture of you. I, I'm a big advocate for putting a picture on your website that you basically look, you know, nice and smart, right? Because you want people to be able to envision yourself with whoever that is, right? Like I just started working with a nutritionist, okay? I was going to all of these websites of nutritionists and to be honest, I was looking for pictures of these people because I just wanted to find someone who looked nice and smart. All right. And so, and I called one woman, we had a great, you know, Skype call or whatever, and I hired her, but like, that's the kind of thing people want. Like, do they care all of, you know, what, what you majored in and every single one of your credentials or whatever. I mean, it's good to put that stuff on there, but you again, want to lead with how you help people and then, you know, give them a way to envision, do they think that their child would work well with you or not, right. right? And I think that can be best achieved through a photo or even a video if you're feeling very brave. <laughs> yeah, because they can see a little bit of your speaking style. And they want, a, they want someone smart and intelligent, which we SLPs are, but they want, we all, they also want a relatable person because, and they want to see that and, and you know. And so that makes perfect sense. So thanks, Jenna, for the five P's and all your wisdom with private practice. It definitely um, makes it feel less overwhelming already just thinking about the idea of starting a private practice. And I would love it if you could share. I know you're having some, some things coming up that yeah. SLPs can connect with you and get coached by you some more. Yeah. Yeah. So every, a couple times a year, I do this special event. It's a five day event called plan your private practice in five days. And we're going to be starting this for this springtime on April 19th. So if you want to sign up again, it's completely free, head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash plan. And you can sign up for plan your private practice because before you start your private practice, you're going to plan it right? And we know that SLPs are planners. So this does go into a little bit of that picture phase that Felice and I talked about, because I want you to start to be thinking about, okay, how could I make this work? And who are the people that I want to serve? And then once you plan it, if you're ready to dive in, then you'll have an opportunity to join the program. But what I really want to be able, again, is to lead with value and to lead with education and then if you are wanting to take it to the next level, I would be happy to serve you in my program. But otherwise, let's, you know, connect and have you get to know me a little bit better. And the easiest way to do that is to sign up at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash plan. Very cool. So it's April 19th and it's a five-day challenge. And if if you guys don't 
Believe me, I do 5G Facebook challenges for different things, like very similar to this concept, and it works. So if you sign up for the challenge, I'm sure Jenna's going to walk you through a little mini step every day. And by the end of it, you will be, the foundation will be set and it'll be done. So I would do it. <laughs> it well, works. I mean, hopefully you will do it in Fleece. Will you I should us? do it. I should. I should. Yes. You should. Is it, where, now, is it in a Facebook group or is it, it is like- It is in a Facebook does... group. Yeah. Okay. So people are going to, every day, just like she said, there's like one thing that you have to do. This will be the third time running it. Every time we do it, we have more people. We have more excitement. We also have prizes. There's daily giveaways that people get really excited about. Oh but my again, gosh, this sounds, yeah, this sounds yeah, cool. This sounds exactly like my Facebook challenges that I started. To, uh, and they're, they work. If I just, you just have to convince them to go. Yeah, totally. So yes, I will go. I will sign up. I'm okay. going to sign up right now. Fantastic. You got <laughs> to sign up. But I mean, I think again, it's like all about, you know, SLPs don't, everyone thinks, or maybe not everyone. A lot of people think, well, I'll do private practice one day, right? Or I'll do that when I'm older or when my kids are grown or when I'm an expert or whatever. But the problem is, is that there's never really a perfect time to start. And we're always really good at coming up with all kinds of excuses about why now isn't a good time. But actually, what if now is a good time, right? And so I would love for people to just even open your mind to thinking about this as a second option, you know, either in addition to your school job or whatever. But again, I think it's a great option and I would love to share yeah. more about it. I think it's a, and it's a perfect time actually, because it's right after spring break or a month after spring yeah. break for most people, you're already thinking about the end of the year. It's a perfect time. Yeah. And for those of you who might want to see private clients over the summer, right, yeah. that'll give you enough opportunity to go ahead and get those ducks in a row and start to get your clients so that you can see clients on your summer break. And then you can decide, do we want to keep going with these clients or do you want to offer summer only therapy? And that's something that other SLPs do too. Okay. You convinced me. I'm going to sign up. Okay. Fantastic. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. So I, cause I do better when I'm coached. This is why I will forever be going to a gym or joining, you know, coaches. Yes. I'm that person that needs, they're making millions off me. <laughs> me too, girl. But, it, <laughs> but it, it makes a difference, right? Like when you have someone who's done something and can shorten the learning curve and make it so that you're less likely to make a mistake. Like that's, that's hashtag worth it to me. Right. So I think that's the value in, you know, can you figure this out on your own? Sure. Right. I figured it out mostly on my own. I had had some help. Right. right? But like, if you want to do it quicker and easier and with less stress, then this is a great program. And, you know, I would love to have people join us. Yes. So I totally agree with all those points. Less stress sounds amazing as I'm sure so many can relate to that. So definitely sign up for April 19th. The The link will be in the show notes. And I think we're going to conclude this episode. Thanks, Jenna, so much for coming on again. You can find her at the Private Practice Success Stories podcast and you, you can see her on Instagram. There's so many places to find her and I will put those all in the show notes. And yes, so... I hope you guys all have a great week. Uh, remember to be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Stay inspired and I'll check back in with you all next week. Bye-bye. Ha <laughs> ha